0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Today, I'm gonna to take you into a lesson called the Evangelism Net. Why is God left us in this earth? What is the major reason they left us here? It's to win souls. A lot of other good things we can do, but the highest call God has is to see people accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years,
1: Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yanyan. So glad to have you here. Uh, Open, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 47 down through verse 50, but we'll get there in just a moment. And I just want to give you a little bit of background on what we're going to be studying here. This is the seventh of seven parables that Jesus gave called the kingdom parables. And in the kingdom parables, Jesus basically introduced the coming kingdom, which would be the church. This also leads to the coming kingdom after that of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and the eventual uh, total reign of Jesus Christ forever and forever, the eternal reign of him. But again, we are a preview. If you want to know what the church is, the church is simply a preview of what the millennium is supposed to be in a small form. It's something we can examine of what the whole world's going to be like at that time. Uh, first of all, there's salvation. And for everyone that believes, they'll be saved. And that will also happen in the millennium. But there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never had occurred before. And it's occurred on the day of Pentecost. And so that indicates, it's, and even when Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, It'll come to pass, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. That verse really is an indicator of what's going to happen in the coming millennium. As soon as the millennium begins and the whole earth is filled with believers, he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. But Peter said, This is that. So he's simply saying, what you're seeing now is going to tell you what the world's going to be like. In other words, the church is the preview of the coming millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And End times don't start today where we are. End times began on the day of Pentecost because Peter said it will come to pass in the end times. This is when it's going to take place. It'll come to pass in the last days. So we are living in really the last of the last days and the last days began on the day of Pentecost. And since the last days really throughout the word of God and especially the New Testament refer to the coming time of the tribulation, which is the last of the last times, the last of the last of the last times, uh, introducing the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, we are seeing what happened there and what was prophesied there happening today, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Say, so we can speak with tongues. Well, that's part of it, but not the number one reason. So, we can hear the voice of God, well, that's part of it. It's not the number one reason you shall receive power after the Holy Spirits come upon you to be my witnesses today we're going to talk about the evangelism net, and that again is the seventh of the seven parables given in Matthew chapter thirteen called the kingdom parables so let's talk about what the other six are. The first is called the seed and the sower. And this is a reference to Jesus Christ sowing the gospel into this world and sowing good seed. And then, of course, right behind him comes the evil one sowing tares that look just like it. So today we are living that time where really, yes, we have the seed to sow the call the gospel, but it came from Jesus Christ himself. We stand in his place. And then the next one is the wheat and the tares. Because why? Well, in this world, we're going to have religious people that look and act a lot like the church itself. But understand something, tares look like wheat, but there's nothing you can eat. There is no fruit in it to be eaten. It's just the appearance of the wheat. And so we have lookalikes today. And so religions everywhere, those claiming to be prophets of Jesus Christ, preachers of Jesus Christ, divisions of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we have. And so it's gonna get worse throughout the tribulation till finally Jesus will come back and separate the wheat from the tares. And those, of course, in the word of God are believers and unbelievers. And there's many religious unbelievers that look like believers. Next of all is the mustard seed, how the church will start with a tiny little seed and then grow up into a great gigantic tree in such a, sh- a short period of time. And that began on the day of Pentecost where the 120 in the upper room, by the end of the day, there were 3,120 uh um, speaking in tongues, born-again believers, and then by a few days later, there were another 5,000 added, so it just kept on multiplying and multiplying. Then the fourth one is the leaven, the woman that put the leaven in the loaf of bread. The leaven is a type of sin and how the sin's gonna come, and like the mustard seed before it, where the tree was produced, but then birds came and landed in the tree, which is a type of demonic activity, the leaven here represents even false things to be placed in the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we have to look for them. In chapter 20 of Acts, Paul was speaking to those ministers he was about to leave. He says, there will be wolves coming in. The wolves come from outside. They're not believers. But he also said, he said, among your own selves shall men arise teaching perverted or twisted things. He said, you're going to have problems from outside, but you're going to have problems from inside too. Be very wise wary of these. Then we have the treasure and the pearl, number five and number six, and the treasure is Israel. And there the treasure is hidden for a while while the pearl is produced. And then later on, the treasure is dug back up. Israel is the treasure that for the time of the church age has been pushed aside and God's going to resurrect them again. But in the meantime, he's put them on a shelf. He's using the church, but when the church is taken out, he will refer back to, and the treasure or Israel will rise back up to their predominance in the earth as the main ones who are the custodians of the word of God and of the gospel. And then the seventh one is the evangelism net. That's what we're going to talk about us. This he left them with because our number one reason for being here in this earth is evangelism. With all the things we see today, I mean, Christians get caught up in so many things, just mainly good works, or maybe they'll get caught up in their own personal ministry of praise and worship, and they think that mainly our ministry is to believers. Well, it is to believers, but there's also the massive part and the greatest part of our call by God is to win souls, and that's Old Testament and new. The whole purpose of Israel was not just to study the law and not just to do all the proper things in the law, but to use that, understand Jesus Christ, and take it to the world. Isaiah 52 in verse 7 says that uh, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them. That's always the mechanism for carrying the gospel. Even into Ephesians 6, our feet are covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. Glad tidings is the Hebrew word for the New Testament word, evangelism, good news. And so they were to take the gospel to the world. Now, by the time Jesus came, they were no longer taking the gospel to the world. They were taking Judaism to the world, religion to the world, and Jesus che- them out and said, you go out into the world, that's what you should be doing, but you make a con, he said, instead of making converts, he said that you make proselytes of all nations, and that is Gentiles acting like Jews. Well, let's talk about that today. Where do we stand today? We have so many people wrapped up in so many different things, and today we see a great return back to, we need to get our nation back. I'm all for it. We need morality back in our nation, but that is not the number one call God has given to us. As great as our country is, the United States of America, it's a temporary country. All countries are temporary except for Israel, the only eternal nation on the face of the earth of which we have no idea when it even began. In chapter 14 of the book of Genesis, uh, Uh, There we have the case where Abraham met Melchizedek and Melchizedek was called the king of Salem. Salem is another word for Jerusalem. Jerusalem already existed in chapter 14 of Genesis and we're not even told where it came from. It's almost like it's always been here and it always will be here. Though Israel has been in and out of that country and it is the home country for the nation of Israel, yet the nation still exists and always will exist. And Israel was, was out of it. And when they went into captivity, in Babylon. Later on in 70 AD, they were uh, removed from it, killed, and many scattered around the whole world for 2,000 years. And in 1948, they came back. And once they came back, they will never leave that country again. They'll be trying to be driven out during the time we're in right now as people come against them, as as the different nations around try to come in and infiltrate them and and separate them and kick them out of the country. We're also facing a time coming up here uh, shortly where during the time of the tribulation, they will be killed and martyred and all those different things, but they will not be taken out of that country. It belongs to them. They will stay there. And of course, then they'll go, they'll stay there throughout the millennial reign of Jesus. And past that, into the eternal reign of Jesus forever and forever in a renovated earth, but even in a renovated earth, Israel will continue to exist." We're told at that time that heaven will come down and rest over the earth, and it's called the new Jerusalem. Jesus will still rule and reign from there. So again, Israel is the only eternal nation on the face of the earth. But do I want morality back in our nation? Yes. Do I want some goodness back in our nation? Yes. Do I still want the time when I was, you know, down in the 1950s and 60s, and those times when in the beginning, especially the 60s beginning, of it, there was such a freedom in our nation. There was such a, uh, it seemed like such a, a wonderful time to raise your children. I mean, television was great and all these other things, but perversion started to come back in by the end of the 1960s. And so we see where we've come up to today. And so there's people saying we need to get our nation back and get people into offices. Those things are fine. And I think those things are wonderful and necessary, but they're not at the top of the list. God placed us here to win souls. Again, America is not eternal, but every soul that is one is eternal. Angels do not rejoice over the president that's elected for the United States of America, but angels do rejoice over one sinner that repents eternal things. The disciples came to Jesus in chapter one of Acts, where he was about to go into heaven, and Jesus began to tell them to go witness. But they stopped and said, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel at this time? He said, look, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which are in my father's hands, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. He simply said, those other things are fine. Leave them in God's hands, but also, yes, be involved in your nation, run for office, pray for kings and all that have authority over you. Like it says in Timothy, that they would get saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. But it also, Jesus said to them that that's not the important thing. I've given you power to go into all the world and make a, uh, converts and disciples of all nations. That is our number one call. And so it's easy to get sidetracked with all the wonderful things around us today and good things and necessary things, but not the most important thing. The most important thing is winning souls for the kingdom of God. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 13. I'll read the verses, then we'll pick up on the verses as soon as halftime comes. That's the break here on the broadcast. Matthew 13, verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind which when it was full, they drew to shore, sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and divide the wicked from the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth." This is simply telling us about the sweeps of evangelism that's going to occur during the tribulation period on this earth, where God's gonna shift this thing into high gear, and there's gonna be such supernatural things given to help win souls for the kingdom of God. The offer that I'm offering, and the and the announcer will tell you here when uh when halftime comes, but is called the Kingdom Parables, and this is part of it. And the other ones leading up to this will also help you. And so I believe it's going to be a very good asset for your study time. I always recommend that the best time to to listen to these things. If you're just going to listen to them, is in your car. You know, people often say, "I don't have time for, to to listen to a series on this." I got I'm so busy. The time you're not busy is when you're riding in your car. And I've usually found if you listen to it instead of classic rock or or country music or talk radio, which tells you the same things over and over again, or the songs are the same things over and over again, listen to the word of God. And usually I find that I can get half of a sermon going to the office and the other half coming back home and every day listen to the word of God. And I'll tell you what, it'll change your life. Rock music won't change your life and country music won't change your life. Talk radio won't change your life. It just leaves you wanting to hear it again and again. I can simply tell you this, the word of God will change you bring revelation that would change you for your life. And so I'll see you right after the break.
1: Chapter 13 of Matthew is a pivotal chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. In this revealing chapter, Jesus turns His attention away from Israel and toward the Gentiles. He begins to teach in parables about the kingdom of God so that those who truly desire to hear would understand His message. In these seven in-depth topical studies, Pastor Bob Yendin explores and teaches on the parables found in the book of Matthew. Sermon titles include The Mystery Presented, The Sower and the Seed, Why Parables, The Wheat and the Tares, The Mustard Seed and Leaven, The Treasure and the Pearl, and The Evangelism Net. To order Kingdom Parables, go to bobbyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com.
0: During the church age, the time we're living in right now, God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to assist us in witnessing. And it's always been his plan that whether it was Israel in the Old Testament or the church in the New Testament, that believers would be the ones to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of the story of Nineveh and uh, whenever that uh, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, he went there and when he got there, again, he didn't preach the law. He wasn't to preach the law. The law was designed to teach Israel about the coming Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That would be the law and how he would live a perfect life. That would be the law. And then also the sacrifices, how he would be the sacrifice for us. They learned Jesus Christ, the law was given to us to train us and to teach us about Jesus Christ. And so that's what the law was for. But what he took to that nation when he went there to preach, Jonah, he just preached repentance and they repented everywhere. and even Even the time period where God's judgment was about to come on Nineveh, it was stayed for many, many years. So we find again that the gospel has been given to us to preach into all the world, and God has given us supernatural help. He gives us something that was not available in the Old Testament, the coming of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. The Holy Spirit is with us. He lives inside of us, but there's one here called, He comes upon us, and He comes upon us for power. And the power is for witnessing. The power comes out in two ways in our life. Number one, it assists us in preaching. The Holy Spirit brings things to our remembrance. He tells us uh, things from the Word of God. We see things, how to apply together. He'll give us a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I can't tell you how many times I've been witnessing to somebody. And the Holy Spirit just tells me something about them. And I'll tell them, just look at me. Much like Jesus told the woman at the well, yes, you've had five husbands. The one you're living with now is not your husband. He told Nathaniel, when Nathaniel accepted him, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. It simply comes back. The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to assist us. But the main thing is to help us win uh, people to the Lord Jesus Christ and help us to disciple them. But the other thing the Holy Spirit does is accompany us with signs and wonders. And that's why we're to go into all the world and not only just preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, cast out devils, because the purpose of signs and wonders is to aid a person and to supernaturally assist them to come to Jesus Christ. So in this parable we have in Matthew Chapter 13, verses 47 through 50, Jesus talks about the importance of the net of evangelism, throwing it out there and bringing as many people in. Some will accept Jesus, some will not, and that's the difference between the good fish and the bad fish. And by the time it all comes, it says, When the net was full, they drew it to shore, they sat down, and then they took the good fish and they kept them and they threw the bad fish away. This is what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation. Jesus will come back and The world has heard the gospel. There's gonna be people shouting hallelujah that aren't really saved and many shouting hallelujah that are saved. But at that time, the Bible says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but for some, it is too late. When he comes back as lightning from the east to the west, this is the time period where he says, this is it. It stops right here and you've had your chance to accept me as Lord and Savior, now we're gonna gather in the net. And there'll be some actually saying, didn't we cast out devils in your name? And didn't we prophesy in your name? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. People have often said, how can they cast out devils and not be saved? Because you can't get saved by casting out devils. Notice one thing they never said, we put our faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. They bragged about their works and you can't get saved by works. Well, the seven sons of Sceva, in Acts chapter 19, we're casting out devils, but they did it by Satan's help, not by God's help. And so we come back to it here. They're bragging about their works, but they can't get saved by works. And in that case, he's going to take the, uh, those that have been saved and the, those on his right hand, the sheep on his right hand and said, come into the kingdom. But those on his left hand, he'll say, depart from me. And again, they'll be cast out into the furnace of fire, verse 50, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, we are told there will be great sweeps of evangelism during the tribulation. Right now, the major one who carries the gospel is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do it through word and by deed. We preach the word of God. We lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. There we have it again by preaching the word of God and also by the use of the supernatural in our life. Four sweep of evangelism occurred occur during the tribulation because God's going to ramp this thing up into high gear. Matthew 24 and verse 14 says this, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. The end is not the end of the church age. The end is the ending of the tribulation before the millennium comes. This is a tribulational passage that the gospel be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. There's those that say, well, Jesus can't come yet because we haven't preached the gospel into all nations. He can come at any time. Paul expected him in his day and said, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. He thought he would be part of it. He didn't think the rapture was very far away. And if Paul thought that 2000 years ago, We should really be thinking about it today with all the things we see happening around us in the world. We are very close to the coming of Jesus Christ for his church, very close to the coming of the tribulation in this earth. And at that time, God's gonna ramp evangelism up a whole nother notch. Let me tell you how the gospel will be preached during the seven years of the tribulation. The tribulation will be the greatest time of evangelism the world has ever seen because where sin abounds, grace will much more abound. All right, the first will be 144,000 Jews preaching during the first half of the tribulation. As soon as the church is gone, as soon as every believer is gone, and God turns from the church, which was here to Israel and reinstates the gospel to them to now become the custodians of the word of God and the custodians of the gospel. 144,000 Jews immediately received Jesus as savior, 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then the Jewish converts at that time around them will begin to preach into all the world, much like Jesus gave it to the disciples who took it to the world. The hundred forty-four thousand will win Jews around them. Those Jews are going to take it into the world. So the Jewish converts will also be preaching in the second half of the tribulation. It even ramps up higher because angels will actually come back and assist in the preaching of the word of God. Angels did somewhat of this in the Old Testament. They do none of it in the New Testament. In fact. The angels don't even know much of what's going on today because the church age is a mystery. That which was unknown in the Old Testament now revealed in the New Testament and angels desire to look into the things we see. They probably attend church and listen to to the message the pastors are preaching and take notes themselves. These are things they did not know. The day of the day of Pentecost, when it occurred, angels stood back going, what in the world is going on as we entered into something that was kept secret from the foundation of the earth, and that is 2,000 years of the church age. And so angels will again be assisting in the preaching of the gospel. And then finally, the two witnesses will come also during the second half of the tribulation, and they will come to the earth. These are two who have died in the Old Testament. One is Moses, one is Elijah. They will come back in Revelation chapter 11. These two are described so that you definitely know it's Moses and definitely know that it's Elijah, but they will preach during the second half of the tribulation and they cannot be killed, but finally will be killed just before Jesus Christ comes back and so as they, they are preaching there, they'll be destroyed and they'll lay in the streets and then God is gonna raise them again from the dead. So they'll get some type of body back during that time, a body that basically uh, God will protect where they can't be killed, but then they're going to uh, be killed in the streets and after three days, uh, they go and be resurrected from the dead. So angels are the ones who will separate the just from the unjust at the second coming of the Lord. When he says here that angels will come and help him and divide the the wicked, from the just, divide the believers from the unbelievers, divide the sheep from the goats. They're going to do this at Jesus Christ's second coming. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus will come back to set up his kingdom, but before he can do that, he has to remove the unbelievers off the earth. Let me tell you who Jesus will remove off the earth. When he comes back at the end of the tribulation to establish the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, he's going to separate, again, believers from unbelievers, He's also going to kick off Antichrist from this planet, the false prophet, the beast, Satan himself, all fallen angels, all demons will be cast off the earth and thrown into hell for a thousand years. All unbelievers, all religion will be removed off the face of the earth. And then even the curse that was placed here at the time of Adam will be taken off the earth. And the Bible tells us the trees will clap their hands. The oceans will clap their hands at the coming of the King. This is Old Testament telling us there's a time when even the curse that's on the earth and on the dust of the earth will be removed, and then the earth will break forth into the same glorious liberty as the children of God. I mean, all of nature will have a great time, and so all this is coming, but angels will assist Jesus Christ in separating the just from the unjust, just like fishermen, bringing in the fish in the net, throw away the bad fish and keep the good fish. This is exactly what's going to happen. Look at Matthew chapter 24. While you're there in verse 30 and 31, it says in that verse of scripture, Matthew 24, verse 30, it says, then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect, those of the believers from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Jump down to verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is not a reference to the rapture of the church. This is a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ, to rule and reign over the earth. As the days of Noah were, so will also the coming of the Son of Man be. You want to understand what the second coming of Jesus is to establish his kingdom on this earth? Go back and look at the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, the earth was covered with wickedness. Only eight people were even considered righteous. They're the only ones that even survived the flood. Verse 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then, at the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth, two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. The one will be taken, the other left. Listen to me, where it says here, in the days of Noah, they We're eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. I ask you a question. Were they the believers or they the unbelievers? They are the unbelievers. In other words... Noah was announcing the flood was coming, but they had their fingers in their ears. They didn't want to hear it. And they tried their best just to live out their life every day. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage are not sins. It just simply means, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear what's going on. I just want to live my life. My daughter's going to get married. We're going to have a party around it. And they just live life as normal. Notice verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Who are the thems? Thems are the unbelievers. In the day of Noah, unbelievers were taken and believed believers were left. What's it going to be like in the days when Jesus Christ comes back with his angels? The unbelievers will be taken away and the believers will be left. The exact opposite of the rapture of the church. What we're waiting for is the day when the believers are taken out to heaven, of which we're going to rise to meet Jesus. But seven years later, the exact opposite will happen as it was in the days of Noah. This is the purpose of Jesus Christ separating believers from unbelievers, but the believers have to be won by those who go out and preach the gospel. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast.